Noman, good to see you again. Thanks for joining me. Good to see you too, buddy. Hope things are okay over there in Brazil. Um, this past week on Instagram, I did one of those Instagram stories where I put a prompt and people can respond to it. And okay. the prompt that I put was, I asked the brothers, what do you want and or need in your future wife? Okay. Now, there were common answers, and then there were answers that were, let's say, more that particular. were more unique, more particular, mm -hmm. more specific, right? So the common answers of what men generally want in their future spouse, in their future wife, is they want modesty. They want their wife to be family-oriented. They're looking for femininity, and they're looking for peace, and I wanted to I want to break that down with you, right? Especially when it comes to femininity and peace. I think those are very okay. important things that we should break down so that there's not any confusion around that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are those are interesting responses. Um, I'm not surprised by them. Um, mm -hmm. Peace, femininity, family oriented, and modesty. So peace, that's interesting mm. people. So what's the opposite of peace? <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> Maybe. Always yeah. being disagreeable. I had um, a brother explain what he meant by peace because I was a little confused too. Like, what do you mean by peace? And so he said, from an Islamic perspective, your spouse is supposed to be the person you find peace in. That's what a successful marriage looks like. So someone who is very reasonable, doesn't make petty arguments, understands gender roles, and is non-conflictive. A woman that has utmost trust in me and I having utmost trust in her. That was his explanation of what he means by peace. And there was another brother who also said peace. And I asked, asked him to expand on that. And he meant, and his perspective was like, look, the prophet, peace be upon him, was a very peaceful man. You know, when you were around him, you felt like you were at peace. And the brother said that, this is what your wife should be like, that she should have that presence of peace when you are around her. Mm -hmm. I definitely um, can relate to that. I mean, I think all human beings want to feel good around the people they marry, you know? So tranquility, peace, a sense of safety, predictability, that's stuff that leads to more security and trust and then attachment and bonding. You know, so I think men and women both want that, honestly, that sense of peace um, and sense of tranquility. You know, in other words, you want to feel nicer when you come home or the other person comes home or both of you come home. And we shouldn't use each other as punching bags emotionally. Right. We sometimes won't realize this, but we'll do it, you know. Work's bothering me, I take it out on my spouse. Uh, kids are annoying, I take it out on my spouse. So peace, of course, I think includes safety and predictability, right? Mm -hmm. um, in other words, you don't want to come home, this concept of walking on eggshells or not knowing when yeah. the next bomb will blow up or whatever, that's mm -hmm. natural, right? But this also has a lot to do. So I'll say something else that I think is more important. So. When you were sharing the response, I appreciate 
the response from the people you asked. But this concept of like from the Islamic perspective, someone should be, and then we go and define it. Mm. Right. Mm. I, I I guess you know I understand where they're coming from. Where there's usually there's a standard, right? You need a standard for things. Um, but I I also know as someone who's been in relation had a lot of relationship experience, um, worked with many relationships. It's not as simple as just saying, "Here's what I want" or "How what we should be" or someone should be like, right? Peace, for example, comes more from a, a self-aware or self-conscious, you know, presence with the self first, and then the relationship, and you actually work towards things, you know, to bring peace. It's a unified effort. And for those of us that aren't married listening, most of you don't realize the first several years of your life with a spouse, when you first get married, especially if you're both living at home with your parents, and then you go into that. There's going to be a lot of adjustment, a lot of even sometimes, you know, turbulence as well as tribulation, because, Mm. you know, we come out of our families, Noman, typically with these ideas, right, about marriage or about a spouse. But when you get into experiencing it, it ends up being very different, right? And so when I say I want, I want my wife to respect me, I think any man would say that right? Including myself. But how do we then have the conversation? We also have to have the conversation of what does it take for a man to earn a woman's respect? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. Um, I want peace. I want my wife to be peaceful, to be a a positive energy or a light energy. Okay. What's my role in ensuring that that feminine sun can burn in such a way rather than over consume me in her flames? Has a lot to do with me, the masculine too. Right. Sure. But that's why I think as we go through these, hearing what men want to need, as we reflect on them, maybe we can also try to consider that a very masculine thing is you want something, you forge it and make it happen. You don't whine about another person not being the way you want. Right. And so naturally, of course, Sometimes when you're courting somebody, there's going to be red flags up front, like personality clashes, right? But a lot of these things, if we really want them in our marriage, an application, it, there's definitely more to it than we come th- we come in with our definitions and we expect people to just kind of fit these molds. And if they don't, like, you know, because again, I see a lot of conflicts between people around, they're attached to ideas about things rather than dealing with how things actually are with them as a couple, you know, it's, it's a different setting, right? Yeah. Um, just to touch up on the, the point you made about men do want to be respected by their wives, right? Every guy wants to be respected by his girl. And it's like you said, the question is, what is that guy doing to earn that respect? And I, I feel the answer is this, right? If you want to earn respect by your girl, you have to learn how to lead. You've got to take initiative. You've got to be assertive. You have to be sure of yourself. You have to have self-confidence. Like all of these things go into earning respect from your girl. Because your girl's not just going to give you respect if you're just some guy who has low self-esteem. He's not sure of himself, no confident, doesn't know how to take risks. Like you're not going to earn respect, man. No one, no woman's going to respect you, let alone no guy will respect you, you know? Um right. Every time you get into a fight with your wife, you call your mom. Oh, my God. Right? 
those things happen. Oh man. You know? Yeah. And with, with the guy's perspective, when it comes to peace, like us wanting that tranquility and, and, and I believe you can speak on this as well. Whenever a guy comes home from work, right? Right. He's married. He comes home to work from work. I think for us guys, we just want to like take a couple minutes and just decompress from the work day. Like whether that's like sitting on the couch for five to 10 minutes and doing nothing. And that may or may not upset a girl that may or may not upset that guy's wife. Right. But it's just a way for us to just decompress, like let our mind relax for a few minutes before we trudge on throughout the rest of the day, like get back into the, the day of like finishing whatever routine or tasks we have ahead of us. Right. Well, here's what's interesting is you've never been married, right? And I am married. I've been married before. And then, then I have the work relationship experience. So when you look at these words that the brothers shared kindly, mm -hmm. you know, and you think about them as a single guy, you have ideas and a vision, right? So you, when you say it to me, I understand the vision, but then like what you just told me, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely true. But here's a lot of other ways that can go. Like some dads like to come home and play with their kids. They don't want quiet and decompression. Some guys want to go home and, you know, kiss and hug their wives while she's in the kitchen first. Mm -hmm. Right. Then they may go to their room and change and lie down and maybe pray or come out for dinner later. Right. Some guys come home. They don't want to see anybody. They want everyone in the room with the doors closed quiet. And I want to mm -hmm. eat my meal alone and watch my Jazeera or my Netflix, right? So the reality is, right, that's the point, is when you actually look at man, how it's applied, it's very mm -hmm. different, right? But for example, if a person is in a situation where they do come home to what they describe as something chaotic, right? The house is a mess. The kids are screaming or running all over the place or they're watching TV really loud and yelling and playing on their iPads at the same time. And I'm trying to sit down and have a dinner, right? And my wife doesn't care about that. I've told her many times, like, would it would be great if you could maybe organize this to be a little more chill when I come home just for this or that. Or, and she's just like, what? It's not my problem. You know, I have to deal with them all day. I'm not going to do this for you too, right? Now that gets into a a point of, okay, tension. You know what I mean? But even so, a man who wants something, like in the case where his situation is chaotic and he wants peace, and we're using just this example of coming home after work as an example, right? Sure. He has to figure out ways to initiate more of what he wants. He can't just mm -hmm. ask for something. And typically, I want you or need you to respect me or do this or do that. But the whole time I'm angry or avoidant, I'm not initiative. I don't take, you know, a role or a part in it. I don't give suggestions. I don't try to figure out how do I make it easier on her so she can make this aspect of my life easier. Like that's actually what ends up really happening when you decide I have to live with this person for decades and have children with them. Hmm. Nobody is going to, you know, there's a point where it gets beyond like, I don't care what you think. I care about what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. And how you do it. So it's very applied marital life. So a lot of us have great ideas, ideals, sometimes very lofty concepts, like how we just picture we're going to walk into some program of a Muslim marriage based on our definitions, and it'll just kind of run that software. But the reality is that, that never goes like that. 
you always have to test and tweak and work out a bunch of you know kinks and you know blocks along the way right it's just yeah. how it goes for people mm. how would that make sense it, it does and my follow-up question to that you know for a muslim guy listening to this he's single he's trying to get married how does he test out his ability to do these things to be sort of let's say to take initiative with a girl to to show leadership to to uh play a role like because courting can only take it so far um a lot of courting is a lot of is is surface level up into a certain point until it moves in, into the nikah stages and then with the nikah stages yeah there's a bit more flexibility but they're still truly not living together so how does a guy sort of take these things and apply them well, look, there's certainly the training that happens with the feminine itself, right? And then there's the qualities and traits I need as a man that are actually being exercised out in every aspect of my life that will naturally be applied with my wife, right? So if I'm the person who expresses myself, communicates, tries to be self-aware, I journal, um, you know, I don't just shut up and listen to everything my parents say when I'm 25 and live with them, I actually sometimes will politely say I disagree or I'm not going to do this or that. These are things you're supposed to be practicing beforehand, right? A lot of mm -hmm. us think we just listen to mom and dad, everything they do, we're 25, we get married and go ship off into starting our life. You Again, you have two kids getting married, essentially, right, in mentality. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. they never cut that umbilical cord either, no. right? I mean, if you've got couples who are professionals, well-educated in their 40s, 50s, and they still argue about your mommy makes you do this. What does that tell us, right? That mm -hmm. there's still some level of sometimes the individual isn't really, in the case of a, a male, he's not, he's still acting like a boy in some ways. And sometimes he's acting like a man and other ways, you know, he's blind to it and so forth. And the same could be true for the woman. Um, but I think that you know, first of all, nowadays, I think a lot of us will try to court sisters because we have these apps now, right? So you could literally kind of date online. And let's just call it what it is, right? Like I, sure. there's a woman or a guy I'm talking to every day. I'm getting to know him. There's some excitement. It goes for a couple of months. It may fade out. It may not, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're doing that with more than one person. So a lot of that has some level. If you are taking those things seriously, that's all training, right? And so exhibiting confidence, you know, um, you're what, you know, being able to voice or talk about your values, not getting offended when someone doesn't agree, you know, all of that are things you can actually practice in an, in a courting situation, which is going to help you be more stable or predictable, let's say, um, in your relationship, right? So for example, if like, you know, what big one that comes up from single people I've coached, um, the discussion around the man is the caretaker of women or the captain, right? Like this ayah in the Quran that's, you know, controversial from a feminist lens, let's say, you know. Mm -hmm. sure. um, this is a hard conversation to have with some Muslim sisters that you're trying to marry. But, mm. and sometimes what I hear even from the women is the guy typically will have like the token response, right? Of, well, I'm, I'm the one who has to ultimately be the captain or the one who's in charge, right? And the woman will often say, why? And he'll just go, because mm. I'm the man and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's all true. But the reality is this woman will never actually see you as a man 
and give you that respect and really feel like you're the caretaker of her until you apply it. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. fluff in terminology until you apply it. And even during courtship, you can see signs of it not being applied. Yes. Right. So I, you need to respect me, blah, blah. And then, okay, great. When are you going to talk to my father? Oh, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, this guy is not, he's full of it, full of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or everything, you know, everything he tells me, it's because his mom tells him to tell him. He doesn't even have a barrier. Like he's still enmeshed with his mom. Right. A woman's not going to respect you. She's not going to say, okay, I'm signing up to, for you to be the captain. Right. Because women naturally also have to be smart, right? They can't just accept, uh, sign up for somebody who just has a lot of the nice token answers. But then when you ask why, or what about in this situation or that situation, or what do you mean by that? Or how does it work? And, and, and I'm not against this concept per se, right? I def- if you look at any successful company, there's always in the end, one person who's ultimately in charge and every single corporation in business. There's no such thing as two captains. That's just the, how hierarchy works, right? Yep. And so it's no different in family. But today, because of the socio-cultural politic, political time we're in, I think men can't just rely on this is the tradition and this is what Islam says. And so therefore, you have to be aligned and just totally molded to fit into that once I marry you. Or else it's, you know, a big problem and you're, rebe- you know, it's like, it's not that simple is my point. Yeah. Because if you're marrying a woman who's a doctor or a pharmacist or has a PhD in physics and she's been on her, you know, actually taking care of a lot of the stuff on her own. Let's say she's lived abroad and she's actually provided for herself. You know, this, you can't approach a woman in that, that same woman in the same way as a woman who's, let's say, you know, kind of waiting at home to get married. She's not working and she's still with her parents, but all she wants is to get married and have a family. It's a very different mentality. Yes. So men have to think also about the variation of things and not just take kind of a, here's my list and I'm just going to spew it across every woman I talk to and see which one fits into it. Like that's not how you find out compatibility. It's actually about engaging the topics and making Mm. meaning of it together or realizing once you've understood the meaning each of you make around them, whether or not it's going to click or uh, practically work. Because in the end of the day, if it can't be applied, it's just nice things we think or say or wish. That's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm a huge supporter of courting, Kareem. Like, truly, (laughs) I am, you know. And yeah, there was a point in my life where when I was younger, I would tell myself, like, no, it's wrong to do that. Like, this is embarrassing, but I used to say like, man, it's, it's not right for a Muslim guy and girl to go to a coffee shop to get to know each other. Right. But again, that's not practical. It doesn't take into consideration what uh, people have grown up with, what they're comfortable with and look, things have changed, but although things have changed, you can still hold true to your principles. doesn't mean that you let go of whatever you truly believe to be true and what you hold dear to your heart, what you find valuable. You don't let go of those things just because say culture is a bit different from back home. Right. Um, Yeah. With courting, excuse me, you can't knock it until you try. Like you can't just have all these ideals within your head and meet some girl 
through your family or something and expect her to be like the one and she's going to understand everything you have to offer and bring to the table and what your needs and demands are. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that at all. You have to go out there and court these sisters. You have to get to know them to a certain extent, right? So you have to get your feet wet. You really do. Um, and especially for the young guys like myself, um, we're single, we were living at home, you know, or even the brothers who are, let's say, not living on their own. They're, they have their own apartment. We need to start practicing these things now. Like we're doing it now. That's this is the best time to do it, to practice these. Um, it's your training. It's such- your relationship training. If you don't, how else are you going to get relationship training? Right. Right. And but, your relationship with your mother is one of those key relationships in your life that that could determine what your relationship with the feminine would look like in the future, especially like your wife, to a certain extent. Your relationship with your siblings, with your father, your relatives, like all of that are key components in what you'll treat your spouse like one day. And so, again, the training starts now. Like You shouldn't be waiting until you get married to start training, you start the training now, even if it's premarital counseling. Right. And I I just want to clarify a couple of things. So one is by courting, as we've defined before, we talked about an intentional process to get to know another for the purposes of marriage. Right. And so in my, you know, like I have three daughters and a son. So when I even think about how, how I'd break it down for them, I'd say, look, obviously we I first phase would be the person comes to the house, right? Spends time with us. Like if it's a guy courting my daughter, you know, just observing that. Second phase is you can go out with a guy, but only in groups. So either you take your sister, your brother, you're going out with a bunch of friends, and you're coming home with your sister and brother. And you get to hang out with them and get to know them. And not everything is under the, you know, view of mom and dad, but it has to be up first. Right. Yes. Because you've got to do your scanning. Right. Then you get to group. Once group keeps going and time goes by and the person seems more formal, official, then in every Muslim culture, there's this concept of getting engaged. Right. Which isn't technically Islamic, but it's practical in the sense of it tries to help our cultural, our Muslim culture, you know, um, and tradition still be honored along the way for those who aren't going to get married within a month or two. And they're still going to get to know each other or now they want to find a a, a comfort zone where both families have basically said, yes, you know, you guys are locked in with each other off the market. And now you're going to, you know, you may go out now to a coffee shop or you're going to pick her up and take her to the local, you know, halakha group and then drop her off or something, you know, again, depending on the situation, I wouldn't do those things at night because remember being alone by definition is when you can't see anybody else and no one else can see you. So if you're in your car when it's dark at night and you're driving, you know, on a street where there's no lights or you're just parked in some parking lot and no one can actually see you and you can't see anybody because no one's around, right? That's actually alone. So that second response that brothers generally want is they're looking for that femininity within their future spouse. So to try and break that down and understand what that means, guys aren't looking for a woman who wants to be a leader, who is assertive. We're not looking for a woman who is that boss babe type, like independent, I do what I want. We're not looking for that. 
what we're looking for when it comes to femininity is we're looking for a woman who will, let's say, respect our judgment and wisdom, who will not want to take that leadership role and will, will instead designate that leadership role to the man, to us as the guy. And so that's sort of what the femininity response is when it comes to that, because I think the general misconception of what, of what, of what femininity means is like weak, fragile, can't do anything, supposed to stay at home all day, do nothing. It's like, no, that's not what we mean by that. It's not what it, what it entails. And yeah, it's just like I said, it's, it's understanding that we're not, again, we're not looking for a woman who wants to be a leader, who wants to be assertive, who is the boss babe type. Right. Yeah. And I think in general, I think a lot of guys are traumatized by, let's say the negative or toxic feminist stuff that's out there. And a lot of people have really, you know, scary stories, right? Whether it's relatives, marriages, not working out to horrible divorces. And, you know, I mean, so people are, I think a lot of people have a, a, lot, a lot of misinformation as well as important or valuable information. Um, but look, if I could simplify it, right? It's like, first of all, when it comes to the masculine and feminine energies, I mean, both man and woman have their own yin and yang as individuals. And so every man is going to have predominantly masculine qualities or energies, or at least they typically will let's say a sensitive side as well. Um, and that's a variation. Some men are better at EQ, emotional intelligence or communication skills than other men. Um, that doesn't mean that men that don't talk a lot or are quiet and reserved aren't necessarily kind or, you know, that doesn't mean they're aggressive either, right? And so there's a lot of things, again, we typically, I think, understand just like there's, I don't think too many women would say, hey, would you be attracted to a guy that's really funny but he has no ambition, makes less money than you. Like, let's be honest, right? Like most women wouldn't be super intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, you know, women typically want a man who's taller than her, right? Like why, you know, it's like, why not have a man same height or shorter, even though that could happen from time to time, but generally women want a man who's taller, right. Than right. they are. Um, or typically want a man who is successful, even if they're successful, right? So there's a lot of women today, mm -hmm. they make good money, they work, they have educations. Um, but they're not also, I think, with women today looking just for financial support, if they are a person who has accomplished that for themselves, let's say, you know, as well. Um, now, if you're 22, 25, you've only worked a year or two, like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a woman who's mm -hmm. 30, 35, maybe even been married before, has always yep. still been a doctor or a pharmacist or an engineer or a journalist or whatever. And she's never had that be a reason why she would consider having a man in her life, right? She's looking more for the actual intimacy component, for, for instance, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think these things when it comes to femin femin a feminine woman or a masculine man, um, there are, of course, these general things that we all refer to. Uh, but ultimately, people, when they feel safe with each other, 
we can be nice to each other. We actually care about each other. Like it comes naturally to us. I really believe respect, love, admiration, trust, all those things will come on its own. You know, um, a lot of these things have to be earned rather than said and done alone, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's interesting because when you ask yeah. men, do they, one last thing, sorry. Last thing is, yeah. do when we ask women, you know, do they, do we ever ask women, um, how masculine do you want your man to be? Because mm. that would be an interesting question to ask them. Yeah. Right? Just like today, a lot of men are like, dude, she's got to be feminine because if she's not, what's the opposite? She's masculine. And maybe that means she's assertive, you know, won't stop everything you say. She has a comment or a rebuttal, blah, blah. But these are also extremes, right? Like no mm -hmm. woman's always like that. Very few are constantly right. just like everything you say has to have to challenge it, right? Because that's now a different matter. It's not about feminism. It's about that person's really insecure, you know, and yeah. they may not really actually be sincerely like you or trust you. So they do that. For that for those reasons too right it's not right. always just disrespect right and so yeah it's just uh comments there but go ahead yeah well i was going to say that you know i think it's important for young men especially in today's day and age us guys who are single we can't project our insecurities onto modern muslim women right we can't mm -hmm. fall into this dogmatic idea that the modern muslim woman she just you know she's a feminist she just un doesn't understand traditional gender roles like i i man it's sad to see whenever i see muslim brothers um especially in the online world who often project their insecurities onto modern muslim women and how like oh there's no point in marrying a muslim woman from the west just marry someone from back home like i personally i don't like that because there are so many good muslim women out there who live in the west and it's like you said, these extreme examples, right, of the woman who's like the boss babe type, who is assertive, who wants to be a leader, like these are extremes. Because at the end of right. the day, your fitra will truly come out one way or another. And it's going to happen eventually, whether it's in your 20s, whether it's in your 30s, it's going to happen. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, being, a, being somebody who is single out there, whoever is listening, as a single guy, look, it's not all doom and gloom. Sometimes it's best to just to turn off your social media for a bit and go outside and just explore the world. And you'll be very surprised. Trust me, you'll be very, very surprised. Um, yeah. In fact, most people should base their judgment or preconceived notions. You know, it's, it's a safer bet to base it on your actualized experiential data rather than what you've learned other people say about it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you, and listen, if you listen to only people who talk about how marriage sucks and it's all these nightmare stories, there's a high likelihood it'll impact you and you're like, I'm never doing that. I'm not getting married. Exactly. It's like, well, exactly. Yeah. You know, so these things, of course, influence us. Um, <clears throat> someone as for as someone like myself, who's been through courting in the past and been through that courting process, I would honestly say most of the time that it didn't work out. It was because of like just small things, like maybe our personalities didn't click. We weren't very compatible in certain areas, but very rarely was it ever like 
oh, I was talking to this sister and she just gave off this like strong masculine energy. And I was like, no way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Like, I don't think that's actually ever happened to me personally. Right. So again, it's like, got to go out there. You've got to court sisters. You got to put your, you know, got to get your feet wet. Um, and then the last two and things here. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to add for me, if I was, you know, still single, look for me, the biggest red flag, if you're if one of your biggest fears is, is the sister I'm courting, you know, influenced by negative toxic feminism. The red flag is simply, do you feel like when she challenges your ideas, it's because of your thoughts or ideas or definitions themselves? Or do you feel like she's just pushing back on you because of your gender, right? Like that's the big red flag or the difference, right? Just like any man who seems to like, he has all these views about religion or how things should be, but it's actually because he actually doesn't have a healthy understanding or relationship or connection to the feminine. Like he doesn't like women or there's a part of him that feels like they're, you know, subservient or less than me. Like that's the red flag of toxic masculinity. You understand? Aggression, uh, being assertive, having leadership, a man wanting to be strong or confident, those shouldn't be threats to a woman who's also secure in herself and would admire these things naturally in a man that treats her well, she trusts, he's respectable to her, he's reliable. Like that's nat- naturally women will enjoy taking that natural um, place in that dynamic, right? And so would a man. And so I feel like, you know, we don't want to overthink things with simply, you know, concepts or traditionalism, because, you know, this traditionalism argument, while I'm not, you know, some postmodern, you know, new age worshiper or anything like that, but tradition to me simply means, you know, a process of which we used to do, we do something that has worked and some Mm. of it still works. And some of it has to be a little modified or adapted or changed, right? Um, Again, when you live in an area where everybody pretty much knows each other, the 100 families in that surrounding zip code, they all know somebody. That's a very different scenario to take a courtship process within versus Mm -hmm. I am on an app talking to a sister in California and I'm in New York. You can't follow the same traditions of every step in any in that process let's say right just because the context the culture the setup the conditions everything is shifted right right? so we also have to be very careful when we say traditional gender roles right Mm -hmm. um because i don't really even know what that means anymore other than what the fitra and nature will kick in i mean most women who are going to get pregnant after you marry them are going to go into that motherhood role and there's no argument right it's like you know Although there's a very rare situation sometimes where a woman has the baby, basically wants to go back to work um, and, you know, have somebody else raise the kid, right? That's a different story. But in some circumstances, that might be necessary. I mean, again, it's you never know, man. It's just different for some people. That actually leads to the next point, which is family-oriented as well as nurturing. Although I didn't put nurturing up there. Nurturing and family-oriented do sort of go hand-in-hand. Hand. They're related to each other. Um, and that's pretty clear. Like, I think every guy looked for that family-oriented woman who wants to eventually settle down, to have a family, to have kids, has that nurturing quality uh, within herself. Um, you know, it's interesting because there was a 
a study that was done, Jordan Peterson had done a psychoanalysis on in high powered law firms. And these women, when they hit the age of 30, they sort of hit this wall of, hang on a minute, like, I don't want to be working 80 hours a week anymore at this law firm because I'm competing with men who who are more than happy to work 80 hours a week at this law firm. And so what happens, what happened was that, and those women started binding their job at the law firm, meaning they wanted to cut their hours back. They wanted to do like nine to five, nine to six. They wanted to still get paid the same, but they also wanted to start settling down to get married and have children because they've they hit that wall of, you know, I can't work like this uh, for the rest of my life. Instead, I just want to settle down and um, have have a family, raise a family. In your sort of line of work, because you know you are a therapist, you're a stomach counselor. Do you see that happening as well within the Muslim community, where women, let's say in their twenties, late twenties, they hit that wall? And they want to sort of cut back on working a bit and instead focus on being more family oriented, getting married and having kids. Well, I feel from my observation, it's I think it's just natural for I mean, I've spoken to even women. I mean, all women do like it's not just Muslim women do, you know, um, I distinctly remember a conversation when I lived in San Francisco one of my classmates was actually a physician. And so he also had a network of different nurses and friends that he had. Uh, and one of them, she actually said to us once, she was in her thirties and, you know, had a sit apartment and a dog and live in the nice life, right? Single life. But she said, I would change it all to live in a trailer with like a husband and some kids right now. And she actually started crying, right? Subhanallah. Uh, I mean, obviously we were having a longer conversation about life and so forth, but at some point this sure. happened. And I always remembered it because I was like, you know, allowed me to kind of see something more deeper. Like it's not always about tradition. Again, it's about human nature, right? If we, if we rewind 50,000 years right now, and we are in a tribal community where every day the men would go out and try to hunt and extract whatever resources they could or you know go raid uh, another town and bring back some resources and the women would traditionally stay at the camp with the kids and manage what they're managing there at the time right so theoretically if one of these women decides i don't you know i'm 15 i don't want to get married and have kids like my sisters i want to go out every day with the men and hunt and raid and come back she will do that until she's 30 and I would say probably experience the same thing. Go, mm. I need to actually, because all these men are hunting and this and that. And if they don't die out there, they typically will breed and have families to go home to. I'm acting like the man and I don't have any kids or a husband, but I do have my you know parents or siblings and so forth, right? So I think even when you take it to a very raw, simplified living that ha- that did happen for most of human history, right? We haven't been in this industrial digital age for long. This is, you know, it's like, it would, would she hit that same, you know, type of realization? There are some women, I'm sure that wouldn't care. They may not actually, that's not a fulfillment they need to fill, right? But I think because genetically, and biologically, we're wired to also breed and to keep our species going, the vast majority of males and females will want to breed, and they will. And that's actually what's been happening. And mm-hmm. so I think when a, if a woman is one of those who 
recognizes that it's going to come out in her and almost in a sense overtake her right at some point i think that's definitely more likely um because a man when he's 30 and he's not married and doesn't have kids he doesn't slow anything down to accomplish that he keeps pushing right and so if we just if we look at it in that sense of masculine traditionally goes out into the external environment to, to bring resources home to the tribe right or those he's taking care of that's basically all you know that's why he can do it 80 hours 60 hours a week because he's not going to get pregnant he doesn't have to breastfeed he's not going to have a different hormonal biochemical um, atmosphere that prevents him from those things out there mm-hmm. right to the same degree mm-hmm. you know remember month and like there's big shifts in their biochemistry and hormonal systems every several weeks right it's a lot Mm. to deal with even in sharia Allah gives them a pass dude from praying you know so there's something there's obviously a a challenge to that state in your body and mind right so to answer that question i mean i think typically that's the that's going to be the case now, when I think about it, like if any of my daughters were in that situation where like one of my daughters is 30, she's doing great at her company. She doesn't show any interest in getting married. She just keeps talking about how she wants to grow in her company. I definitely probably have a sit down with her and be like, look, if this is the way you want to go, you have to recognize, you know, unless you're going, you know, you're not getting, uh, you're not going to have sexual fulfillment, love, companionship, intimacy right? If you don't ever plan to get married and just keep doing that, that's one thing you're going to miss. And naturally you're not going to have children or a family. Maybe work will get old in another 10, 20 years. And once you're 40, 50, you're going to miss that train. So I'd have to sit her down and really tell her like, this is what could happen. It's not necessarily worse or not, but you have to accept the reality that, you know, at some point, if a woman wants a family, the career and external life has to at minimum take a pause or a break or slow down. doesn't mean you can never do work again. Right. But right. typically, right. That's how it goes. Again, some people are different. Some people may be like, no, I just want to have a kid, but I'm okay with my wife going back to work after three months because I could really care about her career. Like some husbands mm-hmm. think like this. Mm-hmm. So that's up to yes. them there. It's not, it's not now haram for them to live like that. Right. It's their life. It's their cult, family culture. This is the point now about traditions. Like, well, that's not traditional gender, but that's what they, that's what works for them. Right. Maybe right. they need two salaries because they live in New York city. So, yeah. you know, that's just, people have their circumstances. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really don't like this whole modern idea of you know it's okay to be single and like dying alone um there there's this sort of attitude of individualism taking to taken to its extreme logical conclusion that if if the individual is the most important thing if like your happiness is the most important thing and because you worked on yourself for so long, you can't afford to be with someone who is any less than that, then you would rather just live on your own and, and die alone. And I just don't see that as a very healthy alternative to getting married, you know, because it is the fitra of human beings to be social creatures. Like we're social creatures. That's just part of our fitra. We want that social connection with people. And when you're in your mid twenties, 
maybe mid or early 30s and you're you you look you still look really good you look attractive maybe you're at the peak of your attractive level you're making good money you're doing all that that sounds good and all until you're 45 single not married no kids while your friends are married and they have kids that i would I also a- argue that would go the same for a guy too yes right? yes absolutely I, either way but look again generally speaking I agree with you. This is how you, most people don't, you know, very few people decide I would like to be alone and die alone. I don't think, you know, very few people probably actually want that, but there are, might be people that do. Okay. Some people also don't choose to get married because I mean, again, there's priests, there's, you know, even some of our scholars, yeah. dude, who never got married, Imam Nawawi and, yep. um, you know, they also died young, but the point is, is their intention wasn't to get married. They were so dedicated to their work or their project or whatever, right? So some people, mm. this is their destiny. This is what their life is. And there are going to be some men and women who, subhanAllah, dude, I've met some people. It doesn't happen that often where you really know or sense. And they have also told you like, there is zero, like there's really not a big need for sexual relations or fulfillment, or even emotional. Like, they're very actual comfortable as individuals. There are people like this. And there are people Mm. like that who could actually dedicate their lives to building orphanages and taking care of all those kids. And they're not married. They have no commitments. They have no kids of their own. So this becomes their life, right? Mm. Where they're going to build, you know, the next spaceship that goes to Jupiter or whatever, right? People, there are people that are going to be like this, right? Um, But I think the point you're making is we don't want to be dishonest with ourselves and recognize, again, Islam, for sure, I think about teaches us fitra-friendly human science, you know, human nature. um, There is a general bell curve or pattern and expectation or expectancy to that. And that is that most people are not going to be alone or want to be alone, and they will breed, you know? Yep. Uh, that's just the case, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're right. When you said that it does happen to men who, who are in their forties, you know, or fifties and they're still single without any kids. And it's like, it's true because look, a guy can only go so long having multiple girlfriends throughout his life, you know, sleeping around throughout his life. Like that can only happen for so long until he hits a point where he's like, man, I want to settle down. I want to, be married. I want to have that connection. I want to have kids, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's just the same yeah. as for men. Of course. Of course. You make yeah. $8 million a year now because you've been crushing it and hustling since you were 20 to 55. Yeah. And you go home to your huge apartment, dude, right? With your servants. Every man's going to say, I have no one to share this with. And they'll look at the regular neighbor, right? A few blocks down who's driving his Corolla with a wife and three kids. And he's like, man, he has it all. And then mm-hmm. that guy who's married with the wife and kids goes, dude, I wish I was that bachelor with all that money and he oh. could just do whatever he wants. And subhanAllah, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the, yeah. definitely, I feel like one of the laws of nature itself, not just human nature, but reality, physics, is this law of attraction, and things pulling to each other. I mean, gravity itself is the law of it. It's a law of attraction. You know, heavier masses pull other entities of less mass towards it. You know, everything's mm-hmm. moving together into togetherness, right? Like that's 
that that's how, how this how why space looks the way it is and why there's clusters and little galaxies and little things it's because at some point when all this stuff started to settle the larger objects pulled in smaller objects and they started to create these big huge swirly looking things that's all just gravity and rotation something it's something about the law of nature texture of reality itself it's about pulling things together based on laws mm. right mm. including this yeah. concept right and so um yeah i think it's ultimately one of the big secrets of life is seeking and fulfilling connection and having a family is a is a reliable form of connection you know yeah um yeah if you're single and you live where you've always lived all your life and you know you're not worried about it it's like dude i got so many friends around here but half of them get married and move somewhere else for work mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. maybe one passes away too young you know the others uh get married but they stay in the same area but you know once they're married and they have kids like they're not hanging out with their single friend anymore no Right. So <laughs> it always, you'll also, it always you'll also yeah. find yourself, you know, in these in that situation. You give it 10, 20 years, that's what's going to happen. Because again, the right. majority of people are going to follow that trend. And so if you're not with the majority, you will naturally feel more alienated or isolated, whether you're a man or a woman. Yes. Right. And so um, yeah, I think uh, you know, again, unless you're a man or woman that doesn't need or care about sex, you know there's only you know but you and you don't care about family you know th this type of life might be something that you want or is actually fulfilling but most people will either want either or or both family or right. sexual passionate or friendship companionship and so forth all that comes with having a mate basically right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the Last point I want to quickly mention about modesty as one of the most common answers that brothers had given in their response. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I would say modesty, you know, for the sisters who are listening, like, what does that mean? What do you mean by modesty? I would say generally a guy's probably not looking for a girl who wears skin tight clothing, who wears low cut shirts. Now, the brother, we have to understand like what modesty means to us in our minds and, and how we see that right because a sister can be modest even if when she's not wearing hijab that's totally possible right so the the brother has to understand what he perceives as modest if a brother truly believes a sister can't be modest without hijab then he should only court sisters who wear hijab right he can't well, let me give you his, let me give you an anecdote on that so yeah. let's say you, you married a hijabi woman. She wears like super loose, let's say Saudi hijab. And you're like, oh, dude, she's so, so mashallah modest, right? And then mm -hmm. after a few months of marrying her, every time you take her to the masjid, she's always now commenting to you about how these other guys are so hot. She's like, oh my God, he's really hot. He's like, wife, what are you doing? But she wears hijab, <laughs> right? So modesty mm -hmm. is, it's for just like it is for men. It's internal and external. It's a state yep. inside and it's a state on the outside. A lot of times, and when I heard modesty, sadly, the first thing I thought not to, you know, is that I'm like, why would most men say that? You know, they're either worried about the variety of women they've encountered somehow, whether it's online or porn or whatever, right? To ask sure. for something like that, right? Um, 
but I think a lot of men want a woman who's respectable, honorable, and that means she'll respect and honor him because obviously if your woman doesn't act modestly, not just dress modestly, also act modestly. Yes. You know, you can, again, you could be married to a hijabi who's like, tells you about how she had three boyfriends before. And she is comfortable talking about that. That makes not modesty for a man, even though she mm. wears hijab in the, when she goes out. Yeah. Right. So again, it's these terms are important to explore why we want them. And again, I'm not against it. I, of course, we want a woman who's respectable and modest and doesn't wear things that makes you uncomfortable with her. Right. But also, these are the same men who, if you want modesty in a woman, you have to be modest first right. for, you know, for Allah to really accept that. Right? You can't be a guy who watches porn or looks at all those women with skanky clothes on Instagram. But oh, yo, the day I get married, my wife, I just don't want her to be like this woman. Well, I'll still be looking at probably when I'm married at some yeah. point because I'm bored. Right. And that's what I was always doing before. So that's just an interesting feedback for those of us that think about it. Right. Want it for yeah. the right reasons, not so it can compensate your lack of modesty that you're bringing to the table as a man. Exactly, exactly. And just to sort of tie it all together, right? Like when a when a guy's saying that he wants peace, when he's looking for femininity, when he wants a woman who's family oriented, nurturing, who is modest, right? Again, we as the guys, we have to truly understand what that means to us, because there are cases where. You have two guys who understand modesty in two different ways. And again, that's fine. But again, as you, the individual, you have to understand what that means to you. And then you go look for that. Exactly. Yeah, practicality is very, um, it's, I think, a greater teacher than concept. Right. You know? Right. A big one that has come up on that note is like when people have first gotten married, you know how many I've asked been asked this many times before, like brother Kareem, we got married. So my spouse and I, you know, we're religious, but you know, we're down to earth, let's say, and we both have friends from the opposite gender. And like sometimes like some of these guys or girls I grew up with, and I might still run into them in town and they'll give me a hug because I've known them since I was 12 or 10. What do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that would be a, you know, and again, your, your husband or your wife otherwise could be so respectful. You trust them, but then there's this one thing that they do that pisses you off and it makes you feel like they're being immodest or you're feeling jealous or whatever. Right. So I'm just, again, showing everybody variations of how reality actually works. Right. You may both actually be very modest and, you know, all this, but then you have these things that are part of your lives or history. And so every couple has to be different about that, right? Some couples actually both decide to tell their friends on each side, like, look, married now, I don't feel comfortable hugging you anymore. It's just kind of more of our culture, religion, blah, sure. blah. Other couples decide, well, we're not going to initiate any new physical touch or contact or hugs with new friends, but those old school friends that we might see once in a while or once a year when they're in town, like, you know, come on, you know, it's, it's Mary or it's Jimmy. It's just, you know, and some mm -hmm. people are like, all right, you know, what's because uh, they don't want to have that conversation with the friend of like, I can't hug you anymore. Well, why not? Yeah. You hugged me last year when you weren't married and now you have it. And it's like, but I'll be honest, a lot of Americans actually kind of understand. They're like, okay, I get it. You know, they don't yeah. make too much of a big fuss about it. And again, if someone's really your friend, they're not going to care if 
you know, you're a woman who got married and now you're not hugging him when you see him or vice versa. I think if the friendship is really solid, that can be bypassed without it affecting your actual connection, let's say. Mm. Right. Again, why? Yeah, it's, it's why it's so important that a guy cannot project these traits onto a potential girl he might marry and tell her like, look, I need you to understand what I mean by modest and live by that. It's like, that's not how the world works. Again, it's not practical. Exactly. It's not realistic. Um, it's the guy having to understand what these terms and words mean and what they mean to him and ultimately just pursuing that if he sees that fit within a potential future spouse. Exactly. In other words, know what your values are, what you mean by them. And instead of like trying to do an interview or just simply a checklist of like, do you believe in modesty? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? Do you believe in that? Okay, right. okay, we're compatible, we're compatible. It's like, no, it, the more data interaction, more interactions, conversations, explorations around these topics is what's going to allow you to, to get a better sense of how it would look applied, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just arguing about you not being what I think it should be, then that's not going to help you apply it together in the future, right? Um, you know, so understanding the concept and the value and the meaning is one thing. And then the way you both visualize it, looking and feeling, or how would you deal with some of these anecdotes we've discussed today in the podcast? Like, those are things that I think allow you to really get to know somebody, you know, more seriously, right? Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, uh, I hope it was helpful for everybody to hear some of this feedback. I think the, all these yep. uh, things that people are looking for are still important words and valuable, but just as we demonstrated today, we can take any word, talk about what we we all probably resonate with, like around terms like modesty and peace, but the reality is, you know, it's not as simple as here's my list of desired menu. I'd like to copy and paste that over to this woman or this man and mm -hmm. see if, you know, everything lines up and then we go for, you know, we're, you know, no, explore those things, talk about things, experience pushback, challenge the thoughts, challenge the ideas, bring up scenarios because it teaches you how people think and why they think yes. the way they do. And that's important. So yes. yeah, I'll increase yes. us all. I mean, my last words are uh, to the brothers, Others who responded to my prompt, um, yes, I appreciate you guys, you, and I appreciate yes, I appreciate appreciate the feedback that I was given. Again, a lot of great uh, responses that I received. And <clears throat> last thing I want to say is, it's not our job to change people in the sense of if you're a brother who wants to marry a sister that doesn't wear a hijab, it's not your job to say I'm gonna you know, I'll, I'll change her to make, to wear a hijab. Like that's not your job. Your job simply at the end of the day, as a man is to, is to guide, is to lead. And if somebody comes along and accepts that guidance and leadership, khalas, alhamdulillah, you know, and if they don't, then they don't, then that's okay. Right. Yeah. I would never, in general, don't marry somebody thinking you're going to change something big about them and then they'll mm -hmm. fit more into your template. That's a big mistake. And generally speaking, we should marry people for their core qualities, not their potential, because mm. people don't assume 50% of the time people will not potentialize in that direction that you thought they would or mm. hope they would. Then you're working with bad odds, right? So 
always focus on the core and who they already are rather than what you hope they'll become. Because if you already like who they are at their core, then that naturally will become better and more, let's say, modified. And so they will likely become more of what you hope they'll become and so forth with time anyways. But it's a dual effort, right? So uh, this concept of like, anyways, it'll it'll go into more. But Noman, thank you for uh, bringing this uh, topic. It was very interesting. And next time, inshallah, we're going to discuss or, or do our best as as uh, men here do our best to discuss more of what we gathered around the women yes. wants and needs. And, and hopefully I can provide some valuable feedback as well. Inshallah. Inshallah. Appreciate it, Kareem. And uh, we'll talk soon. Inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Coffee with Kareem Podcast.